Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Newsweek's Foreign Service. I'm Josh Lowe. And I'm Meren Geda. And each week we look at the big stories from the US and what they mean for the rest of the world. So this week we're looking at WikiLeaks because they've just come out with a brand new leak and it's all about the CIA and how the CIA hacks people. So um, it got us thinking, let's talk about WikiLeaks. They've been around for 10 odd years. What is it that they actually do? Because Josh, I don't know about you, but I don't know too much about them. Yeah, before we started researching for this podcast, I kind of knew some bits and pieces, but I didn't have that much detail. And what you really get a sense of is that they've kind of changed quite a lot over the years and the way people have seen them has changed. And that's definitely something we should we should dive into. But first things first, how did they all start? So WikiLeaks, as I mentioned earlier, was founded in 2006 by an Australian hacker named Julian Assange. I'm sure that name is familiar to very many people. And in their 10 plus years, they've been responsible for publishing 10 million documents, which is incredible. And here's a clip of Assange basically, well, bragging a little bit about this. It's been reported that WikiLeaks, your baby, has um, in the last few years has released more classified documents than the rest of the world's media combined. Can, can that possibly be true? Yeah, can it possibly be true? It's a worry, isn't it? That the rest of the world's media is doing such a bad job that a little group of activists is able to release more of that type of information than the rest of the world press combined. So yeah, a little bit smug from Assange. And as Josh pointed out, he doesn't really have reason to still be that smug. WikiLeaks' reputation has taken several big hits. And we'll come on to that later. Before we move on to some of the criticism of Assange, let's just have a quick look back over some of the key things that they've done, some of their greatest hits, if you like. So in 2007, WikiLeaks posted online the operations manual from 2003 for the controversial Guantanamo Bay prison camp. And that generated all kinds of headlines. Controversial passages included a requirement that prisoners be held in near isolation for two weeks, including enhancing and exploiting the disorientation and disorganisation felt by a newly arrived detainee. So that got people's backs up all over the world. Then in 2008, they exploded into the US presidential election campaign when a hacker used their platform to post screenshots from the private email of Sarah Palin, who was then the vice presidential candidate for Republican John McCain. And in 2010, one of their most significant moments came with 400,000 documents downloaded by Chelsea Manning, the whistleblower who later went to prison over her role in this, um, which became known as the Iraq war logs. Among them were an extremely controversial video um, of of an airstrike in Baghdad which killed two Reuters journalists. And we've got a clip here of some of that video. Yeah, then, watch you. Light them all up. Come on, fire. Hey, Roger. Keep shooting. 
It's just so horrifying and harrowing to listen to. And also uh, within that 2010 leak from Chelsea Manning were the diplomatic cables. So that's a quarter of a million documents that flooded in from US embassies across the world and were released to WikiLeaks. And I think perhaps the most interesting, at least for me, is the revelations from US diplomats about how Tunisian lawmakers were living may have contributed to the 2011 Arab Spring protests. So one could argue WikiLeaks helped upturn uh, an entire leadership. Also among their greatest hits were, of course, the Clinton email leaks. So these were 10,000 emails from her campaign chairman, John Podesta. I mean, they show the inner workings of the campaign, but they're not that shocking. I mean, there's one Clinton aide who says she has terrible instincts, but it's not enough to really sabotage an election. And here's a clip from Trevor Noah basically uh, voicing that sort of uh, disappointment. Finally! After all that waiting, we got to look inside what Hillary said to the big banks. And it turns out the worst thing she said was that she agreed with Abe Lincoln that to get things done in government, politicians should have both a public and private position. That's it. That's what she said. All this said, their methods have been criticised. Um, one key criticism from a lot of journalists is about their unwillingness to redact a lot of information, to kind of keep it out of the public eye. If you're a journalist and you get a big dump of documents, you go through them, you take out the bits which aren't necessary to the story, but which might uh, endanger people's lives or privacy or anything like that. WikiLeaks often haven't done that. And that's led to all kinds of privacy breaches, uh, some of which were relatively trivial. There was, for example, personal information about some of the Clinton campaign operatives in those emails, but some of which were extremely serious. For example, they published the names of about 100 Afghan civilians connected to coalition forces in their Afghan war logs, and an AP investigation has found that they've published all sorts of private health info, including the names of teenage rape victims. And that's not WikiLeaks's only controversy. Their leader, Julian Assange, has become a deeply polarizing figure. Back in 2010, uh, Swedish authorities issued warrants for his arrest on the grounds of rape and sexual molestation. Uh, he went to the UK and took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was in 2012. And he's been there ever since. Now, he says he doesn't want to be extradited to Sweden because he's worried that Sweden will in turn bounce him to the US to face charges for uh, his work with WikiLeaks. Sweden say they've got no intention of doing that. The US haven't even asked for his extradition, but Assange remains in the embassy. Now, the statute of limitations on the molestation charges have run out, but that rape allegation is still outstanding. And finally, during the US presidential election, Assange exploded into the headlines uh, because of his alleged political biases. Um, WikiLeaks were publishing leaked emails, documents from the Democratic Party, its campaigns, its officials throughout the election cycle, as Mirren's already mentioned. Now, there were allegations that some of these were obtained by Russian government-backed hackers. Uh, Assange, of course, has always denied that, denied any connection to the Russian government, and the Russian government has also denied it. But nonetheless, that link has been repeatedly drawn. And also, there was the apparent one-sidedness of his public statements uh, on the two politicians, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. He's been highly critical of Hillary Clinton. For example, here he is talking to John Pilger in a Russia Today interview, making an extremely inflammatory allegation. ISIL or ISIS uh, is created largely with money from the very people who are giving money to the Clinton Foundation. Yes. That's extraordinary. And so to the latest. So uh, the latest dump, as I mentioned, is to do with the CIA. It's called Vault 7. And it basically purports to be the entirety of the CIA's hacking arsenal. Now, WikiLeaks haven't released it all. But what's interesting is the bit they have released, they've actually redacted for once. So what they've basically done is told you 
what the CIA was hacking among its smart TVs, smartphones, that kind of thing, but not how they've done it. But as John Oliver points out, just because the CIA can do something doesn't mean they actually have. That's right. They explored the possibility of it. And that is important because we already knew that cars could technically be hacked. So it's not surprising, really, to hear that the CIA might be interested in doing that too. But exploring the possibility of doing something isn't really the same as doing it. So again, a bit like the John Podesta emails, interesting, probably irritating for the CIA, but perhaps not that revelatory. But I think that's probably enough from us. We've got a lovely guest here with us in the studio. So let's hear from him. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. My name is Jason Murdoch. I'm a cybersecurity um, technology reporter for the International Business Times. So to get going then, um, let's just have a look. We, we've heard that there's been a new release by WikiLeaks. Um, it would be good to kind of hear a bit about exactly what's in it. Um, they've kind of been trying to sell it as extremely significant. Um, uh, Julian Assange uh, was kind of bragging about it in a video released um, alongside it. And I think we've got a clip of that. This is a historic act uh, of... Uh, devastating incompetence to have created such an arsenal uh, and stored it uh, all in one place uh, and not secured it. He's trying to sell this as some sort of massive, ultra-significant, um, devastating leak for the CIA. Uh, was it? And um, what was in it? Well, what was in it uh, upon analysis is slightly different from, from what WikiLeaks claims was in it, um, ever so slightly. Basically, what it was was um, over 8,000 documents relating to CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, um, hacking tools. Um, so it's how they maybe crack um, operating systems um, like Android or iOS. And though they didn't release the actual, what they're called, cyber weapons, um, they really do documents um, explaining what they are and kind of what they do. Um, they've promised they've got a lot more, but at this point, it's not really a, de like a devastating leak by any means. 
Because for the layperson, it's not like, say, the, the NSA leaks with Edward Snowden, where people, particularly in the US, could quite feasibly have come under mass surveillance, and everyone was kind of quite terrified. I mean, this, for, for, for lay people, this really isn't likely to affect them. Is that right? It's kind of... No, I mean, from, from talking to cybersecurity researchers and people that uh, crack phones for a living, especially one iOS research, researcher who I, I won't name, but um, he basically said that the common person does not need to be worried about this leak. It's more of a, a technical leak. And we don't know what's going to come out down the line, but at this point, um, there's no reason to be worried as such, unless you're a target of the CIA. And then, but that's not really. I mean, Josh uh, most and I are pretty important, so <laughs> yeah, you yeah, never know. We say a lot of things on this podcast, <laughs> um, which they might want to stop us saying. Well, may- maybe you should be worried then. With the CIA leaks, okay, so it's not going to affect us um, as as ordinary people, especially if Josh and I are. But I mean, what does it mean for national security? Because presumably, if you are in the CIA, even though, um, as you said, WikiLeaks haven't said this is how to hack, people now know for example, that they can hack a smart TV and that they can see your WhatsApp if they're already in your phone. So, I mean, surely for the CIA, they're going to lose some targets. Some targets are going to deactivate WhatsApp at the very least. Yeah, I mean, these are cyber weapons at the end of the day. So to, it may have an impact, a resource impact on the agency. I don't know. Um, yeah, in terms of people on the street, maybe not. But if you're someone that works for the CIA, I, I, I imagine you'd be fairly annoyed that this is out there. On the other hand, People usually think that this goes on, and I don't think it was really anything new in the eyes of a lot of people. If you have an internet-connected TV, the amount of headlines that you see now about what's going on with them. Samsung have been in in the news in the past because they enabled this kind of listening feature that was built into their TVs. So this kind of isn't new in a way. It's just kind of confirmed what many people were suspicious of. I mean, but then that's that's kind of sad for WikiLeaks. I'm not saying that I'm I'm shilling for them or that I'm a fan of them, but they were really bragging about this. I think before Assange uh, spoke to Sean Hannity, I think I think he was referring to a big leak, and I don't know if it was in reference to this or something else. But they have been really pushing out Vault Seven. You know, it's going to be huge. So does this mean that they're they're no longer really getting anything of of much interest? I think they've always promised that they one of their main kind of tenants is that they'll always try to. Um, advertise and promote their leaks to the you know the the widest kind of amount possible. So this is it's good PR and it's good advertising for them. And I think that's kind of what they were going for. They will always kind of hype it up to you know maximum levels just because they think that's what they need to do. Um, Twitter has just bolstered that again. Um, this Vault Seven thing they kind of touted for weeks and again it's just PR. So it's maybe not as like world changing as NSA or PRISM or whatever. But it does seem a bit like during the election for a while there, the US election, WikiLeaks, they used to be um, kind of quite admired by a lot of people. Um, then obviously you had the Julian Assange uh, rape allegation, and we'll get on to that in a bit. But also during the election, you had this sense that a lot of people felt like they were kind of almost coming out to bat for Donald Trump, and they were kind of getting very wrapped up with certain bits of the right wing media. Is this a kind of back to business, solid, uh, you know, useful leak, which will kind of rehabilitate them a bit, almost put them back in the uh, on the map in the eyes of kind of serious technology experts? Or did they ever go? Uh, well, they, they technically never went anywhere. I think they kind of dipped out of the mainstream a little bit um, over the past 12 months. But then obviously with the DNC stuff and the rise of the so-called alt-right, uh, the DNC hacks were allegedly um, orchestrated by Russia and links to Russia have kind of dogged them ever since. So yes, they're back in the mainstream. Um, they're back on in the headlines, but 
Um, I don't think they ever went away as such. They've just kind of been bolstered a little bit again. And so is it a bit of a case that they're kind of more of a phenomenon for your average member of the public than maybe they are for a kind of technology expert? I mean, how what what is their kind of standing like at the moment among people who are really seriously into this sort of thing? Yeah, it's, that's a great it's a great kind of question about how seriously technology experts actually take Julian Assange these days. I think with the CIA leaks specifically, there's a lot of legal and ethical concerns that comes with working with him in this, as he's kind of alluded to. Um, I don't know if these companies want to be linked to WikiLeaks at all anymore. Well, that's the thing, because, I mean, we've got a clip from Glenn Greenwald, and he's basically explaining, you know, the differences between him and WikiLeaks. So I just wanted to play that so we can hear from him. And to this day, not only us, but all news organizations that had documents still haven't disclosed all of them or even near all of them because of the effect it would have on innocent people. So we very much believe that when you get a large... Uh, archive of information, your responsibility as a journalist is not just to dump it to the internet for anyone to dig through, but to protect people's privacy, to protect people's mm. reputation, and only publish that which is in the public interest. So this is the thing. When when Edward Snowden went to Glenn Greenwald and all those various newspapers, they, they were much more judicious, I think, in the, in the way they published their material. They redacted a lot of it. Glenn Greenwald has said they haven't even published all of it. There's still so much more out there. Whereas WikiLeaks, not so much with this leak, because they were a bit more responsible with this leak and they did redact a bunch of stuff. But, you know, with past leaks, they have just pushed everything onto there. And I was thinking about when they released, do you remember, uh, it was like details of these Turkish female voters. This is like, it's serious stuff. So did that sort of cost them uh, people's respect? Say if I had a massive data cache, which would be so weird. But if I did, I would not give it to, to WikiLeaks. I just, just don't think they would handle it correctly. I think that's a problem that they're running into now is that not only are these links with intelligence agencies, you know, shrouding their organization now and kind of their drowning in controversy over that but the thing about this uh, this leak is actually different Assange has said that less than one percent has already been you know released Vault 7 is less than one percent of what they have they did make redactions so this leak seems to be a little bit different in the in the sense that they are holding stuff back so is it going to be enough to kind of turn that PR problem around do you think no <laughs> why not um I don't think so I think that they're too far gone now um, not many people really are taking them seriously. And I think you alluded to it before, where if you're a whistleblower, there's other routes to go now. Um, Assange has burned a lot of bridges in his time with the mainstream media, with The Guardian, New York Times. Um, and yeah, there's there's other places to go now. The Intercept is a great example of where people would rather go and talk and Glenn directly Greenwald's. to Glenn, Glenn Greenwald yeah. and uh, his lot, you know. So that's definitely, I think, the, the route that a lot of people would go rather than going down the route of WikiLeaks where there's so much controversy right there. Because I was quite surprised, um, you know, when I, when I was doing the, the research for this podcast, because I researched this episode. Um, I mean, WikiLeaks have, in, in their sort of 10, 11 year history, they've, they've released a lot of really, really great stuff. But I would agree with you that, you know, from what I know, and I'm not obviously a technology reporter, is that WikiLeaks, I associate them with more negative articles than I do positive, to put it diplomatically. How much is that attributable to Julian Assange? Because it, it does seem like him as sort of the, the public face of WikiLeaks, he has, he's cost him a lot of support. And uh, you know, we can go into all his different controversies, but can we sort of lay the blame for that at his door or is it the organization as a whole? At this point, we don't know what size the organization is. We don't know what it looks like, how it's structured. At the minute, it's a one-man band. Um, so we don't 
we don't really have the insight into WikiLeaks to be able to judge it, um, uh, you know, on that capacity. When you say it's one band, man band, do you mean you're pr- we're pretty sure then that there's not that many other people doing substantial amounts of work for them apart from Julian Assange? Is it mostly mostly uh, him in the embassy and a few kind of assistants? And, and from from like? from you know from what what's out there, it seems that way. And they do claim to have a lot of volunteers that work for them, but. At the same time, you know, Julian Assange is allegedly running the main Twitter feed, um, has his own Twitter feed now as well. But from from what we can tell, it's pretty much him running the show. And it seems like the the two big controversies surrounding Julian Assange um, are, I mean, the first one is is the the rape allegation, um, and at, at one point there's also the sexual assault allegation, which has now uh, expired. But also this whole thing about the the DNC email leaks, because there's still this big investigation going on into whether Russia gave them the emails. But when he had this interview with Sean Hannity, he was being questioned by Sean Hannity about whether he does have this connection to Russia. Have you ever talked to Vladimir Putin? No. Have you ever talked to any of his surrogates? No. Have you ever talked to Donald Trump? No. Any of his surrogates? No. Not one? No. There was some report that you might have talked to somebody who was not associated with the campaign, Roger Stone. No, that's false. So Julian Assange is, has been saying vociferously that the DNC leaks, all of that stuff, did not come from, from a Russian source. And obviously WikiLeaks are not going to say who the source is. But... It remains true that I think he has his own show on Russia Today, which is linked to the government. And the FBI certainly seems to think that Russia was involved possibly in, in the email leaks. So of those two things that I mentioned, the, the rape allegation and, and the Russia thing, can we say which one has been more damaging for him? I think it's a combination of the two. I think the, the rape allegation and, and him entering the embassy was kind of the, you know, it changed everything. That was a, a massive turning point in WikiLeaks' life. Um, if you will, the Russia stuff is is bad in many ways because it's just overshadowed everything that they're doing now. The U.S. government has said that they're you know very very closely linked with with Russia. Obviously, yes, uh, Assange has denied that their source is a state actor, but he hasn't said much more about that. The consensus, kind of in the, in the intelligence communities, appears to be that somehow. Russian hackers hacked the DNC, then sent the information through some sort of uh, channel to WikiLeaks, who then published it. That's as simple as it is. Assange has said before that he doesn't go into sources. He's also said before his the way that people submit sources to, sorry, submit documents to WikiLeaks means that he might not even know the identity of the source. So then there's controversy there yet again about well, if he doesn't know, it could be anyone. It could be the Russian government. That's that's where the where that difficulty kind of comes in. And I guess what the, the the thing that's particularly damaging about that then seems to me as a journalist, you know, if you can't be completely sure that this has at least come from somewhere legitimate, then how are you going to trust a very secretive organisation um, and, and report on it on that basis? I mean, that's that's exactly it. You just have to fact check them and make sure, uh, you know, they put out these analysis that are, as you say, very exaggerated, kind of overblown. It's just your... Uh, your duty almost to just double check and actually go through the documents because that's that's when you'll actually see the real content there. Because I think WikiLeaks has also said, I can't remember who it was from WikiLeaks, if it was Assange or someone else, but said that they don't always have the capability to read everything, right? They get these big old leaks and sometimes they just push them all out and they've only read a percentage of it. 
Is that usual with the NSA leaks, which I think is a good comparison? Was that the same, that, that Greenwald and co wouldn't have read everything they put out? Or is that just a WikiLeaks thing? I doubt that. I mean, I think that with them working with mainstream media outlets, they I think the mainstream outlets did most of the kind of groundwork there in terms of redactions and research. They got these massive kind of data dumps from WikiLeaks then, analyzed them, fact-checked them, went it that way. Eventually, I think when relationships kind of soured, WikiLeaks ended up publishing everything anyway without a lot of redactions. So that just tells you where their kind of uh, different motives lie. Without wanting to be kind of too simplistic about it, um, how much is uh, sort of the rise of kind of Edward Snowden and a new generation of sort of slightly more... um, I guess, kind of clean, acceptable leakers in a way, slightly behind uh, the fact that people are moving away from Assange a bit. How has that impacted WikiLeaks, yeah. do you think? Uh, I think it's overshadowed them a lot. I think before Edward Snowden, they were kind of, um, you know, the sheriff in town when it came to leaks. The NSA leaks overshadowed basically everything they were doing because it was more phenomenal. It was more widespread in scope. I think they've suffered from that since. A uh, little bit of an identity crisis, maybe. Totally, because I don't know if you saw the, the press statement that WikiLeaks put out when they when they were boasting about Vault 7. And in it, Assange, and it's, it's a direct quote from Assange, he basically says, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> he basically says this is bigger in terms of length, I think, than the, the first sort of lot that was released um, from the Snowden files. And it just seems like he is making this direct comparison and is trying to say, we've given you more stuff. I mean, obviously, quantity does not always equal <laughs> quality and it it kind of seems to be be the case with this but do we know what wikileaks is trying to be because before the cia leak it seemed very much like they were trying to uh discredit the democratic party right they seem to be um getting involved with in u.s politics um in, in an interesting way but now they're trying to present themselves as the good guys right they said that they were going to tell tech companies actually, this is how people were hacking. You know, this is how they were getting into Samsung smart TVs. So are they are they good guys now? What, what are we to make of all of this? I don't know if it's that black and white. I think that they kind of go with whatever information they're kind of sent. At least that's the spin that they'll probably put on it. Yes, with the DNC leaks, they were very politically motivated because that's what give them headlines and that's what give them attention, I think. Now that's kind of passed. The, the presidential election's over. Trump was in for better or worse. And, you know, they've had to move on. I think they've been given the CIA leak, apparently from inside the CIA, uh, from inside Langley, which, if true, that's an, you know, an amazing feat that these guys got that. Um, but I think that they've just shifted their tone to go with the times. I'm not sure if, if it's that calculated, if it's that um, kind of motivated in that way. And what, what's next? Is there any kind of future they could have? Because, you know, some of the stuff that we've been talking about here, we've said that they've got, you've now got alternate routes to go down if you're a whistleblower. We've said that WikiLeaks's brand has become tarnished. Assange has got all kinds of legal uh, issues ongoing uh, with, with the rape allegation. Um, and so is, is there anything they can do? Could they merge with another um, organization feasibly? Could they find um, other ways of attracting information? Or are they just sort of doomed to gradually fizzle into insignificance? I think the the move towards working with tech companies, I think, is slightly significant in that it's kind of unprecedented for them. Uh, that could be and maybe... And that's as in working with the companies to yeah, say how they can improve their Offering products, documents yeah. exclusively to tech firms is something I don't think that they've ever done in their history. That could be an indication that they want to be more responsible, or it could be an indication that that's the way they want to be seen uh, you know, from the outside looking in, which again is PR and spin. It's yet to be seen whether 
you know, that'll actually pay out. I think they've officially today, it came out um, on the 14th of March that they have approached Microsoft and the kind of these big companies. So that seems to be the way it's going. Which is weird, right? Because like, for example, Assange has always been really critical of Google and has kind of suggested Hmm. that there are things he's going to put out on Google and stuff. So is that feasible? Can he actually work with these sort of massive behemoths that he's actually seemed to be one of his targets almost as much as politicians are? Yeah, he doesn't like Google at all. I think that's not that's not a secret. But I, I think it's more of a factor they want to work with him. To be honest, I'm not I'm not sure if they do. Uh, he's not been um, subtle in his hatred of kind of big firms. And yes, I think it came out before Christmas or maybe just um, slightly after that he had indicated that he had a massive Google kind of data dump on the way, which hasn't surfaced. But that might taint Google working with him. I'd imagine you would. Yeah, you would assume. Um, okay, great. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. And thank you to Jordan Savile, our producer, who records and edits Newsweek's Foreign Service. You can get us every week on Acast, SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you can't wait that long, you can go to newsweek.com or pick up a copy of Newsweek. Thanks very much. Thank you.